See the world from a totally different perspective? Ready for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. What if you took the time to really soak it Hi, everybody, and good morning to you. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca, and you're listening to the legends WNBP in Newburyport and AM 1510 Yahoo Sports Radio Boston. Jump on your computer, check out talkwithfrancesca.com for upcoming shows and other cool stuff. To chime in on any of these conversations, just send me an email at info at talkwithfrancesca.com. Love to hear from you as always. All right, so grab your coffee. Let's get your day going. In about one hour, you're going to know more than you know now, so don't touch that dial. For the top-earning woman, the rules are different. Did you know that she faces a much higher risk for burnout, infidelity, and divorce? Farnish Tarabi, a breadwinner herself and author of the book, When She Makes More, 10 Rules for Breadwinning Women. She is a frequent financial contributor to Yahoo, The Today Show, and ABC. She has also hosted her own web series, which evolved into the number one personal finance series online, Financially Fit on Yahoo Finance. And she's here with me now, and we're going to talk about how a woman can best manage and maybe even take advantage of this unique circumstance emotionally, socially, and financially. Welcome, Farnoosh. Excited to have you here with us today. Thank you for joining us and Talk with Francesca. Thanks, Francesca. I'm excited to be here. So is it true that there are more breadwinning women than there ever were before? It is true, at least as far as we've been tracking it. We know that compared to the 1960s, for example, the number of breadwinning wives is has quadrupled mm-hmm. to the point where now there are 24% of uh, marriages where she is the top earner. And then if you look at single moms as well and you fold that demographic in to this, 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 uh, this trend, you look at 40% of women now are female head of household. And why is that, Farnoosh? Well, there's a number of factors fueling the trend. I think, um, you know, on the one hand, we see more young women going to college than men and graduating with degrees and advanced degrees. They're, in some ways, um, getting the jobs that men are not. For example, we know during the recession, the recession was often dubbed the man session. A lot of men disproportionately lost their jobs because industries like construction, manufacturing, finance were uh, shrinking, while we know that industries like education, healthcare, um, services, those industries are growing, and those industries employ more women. So um, in some ways, the job market has been friendlier to women. And so uh, what we have now is a new normal of more women in their households bringing home a bigger paycheck. Well, while this is something to celebrate, it's got to be difficult to deal with trying to be the breadwinner in a world where men have traditionally claimed that title. Yes. Like, that's the man's job. (laughs) Right? Right. And for women, too, this can be... is new territory for us. You know, we don't necessarily anticipate being the uh, financial breadwinners in our marriages. We have um, traditionally been expected to have a more supporting role in the marriage as providers and caretakers. So I think for both genders, this is a a wake-up call. This is um, this can be a little jarring. Um, you know, we look at statistically how these men and women deal in these relationships and you know without the proper tools and the right advice and strategies 
they can really, uh, you know, they can break up ultimately. If they're not communicating, they're not changing their expectations. We know that there's more divorce, more infidelity when she makes more. And as someone who is in this demographic, as someone who makes more than her partner, I wanted to... And he doesn't mind you saying so. <laughs> yeah, I wanted Good. marriage to last. I didn't want to become a statistic. Mm-hmm. So it, was, it became a personal goal of mine, as well as, you know, a goal to help other women and men to find the new path for, you know, this kind of a dynamic, which is only becoming more and more a reality. I mean, and it's quite a powerful shift, but, I mean, I would think it would be shaped with complicated struggles that, that can threaten the relationship. Yes. So, for example, you mentioned earlier that, like, men have been conditioned to be the financial providers. Society still expects this of men. If you look at the Pew uh, study from last year that looked at, you know, how Americans view a, a real man's role in his family, most Americans expect men to be able to provide financially. We don't really have that expectation for women. And then if you look at just sort of biologically, you know, our instincts, um, our intelligent brains are telling us we should keep up with the times. It shouldn't matter who makes more. But our lower brains that are really focused on our primal needs and primal instincts uh, are keeping us behind. You know, we still, even subconsciously perhaps, want to maintain those traditional responsibilities. And so when you're in a relationship and that is not your reality, men can really start to question their identity and their sort of sense of self-worth. Um, they can feel emasculated. And women as well, you know, we can feel overwhelmed, we can feel out of place, we can feel unhelped, and it's not uncommon for her to, uh, if she's feeling kind of alone in this world of making more, that she might look at her partner and think, you know, what do I need you for? (laughs) Our great minds are thinking alike. I know, I was thinking about the animal kingdom, as a matter of fact. I mean, because even as we change our animal brains or our primitive instincts, are stuck on that thought that men are still the hunters and gatherers. Right. Right? I mean, right, what does right. that really mean for the woman's status when this changes? Well, you know, this is a fixable situation. I think that while it's important to acknowledge that, you know, our primal instincts, our primal needs, they don't evaporate or disappear overnight. And clearly, like, you know, in 2014, you'd think that we would be able to combat these these sort of internal um biases that we have, but they're very strong. Oh, yeah. And I think long after we're gone, I think they're still going to be strong. Yeah. And so it's important to acknowledge them so that we can understand why we perhaps are feeling the way we feel. But I think that, you know, acknowledging it is the first step, you know, and admitting Sort of facing the facts, right? Right. Sometimes you just don't want to admit to the fact that maybe, just maybe, as a woman, you still want to feel taken care of. And maybe, just as a man, you still want to be the most important provider in the relationship, and for you that means providing with the bigger paycheck. I think those are, you know, to be expected, and we need to, you know, acknowledge those instincts. It's not to say that they, you know, must dictate how you have to proceed in the marriage, but it's, it's a component that needs to be addressed. And I think it runs deep. Um, Farnoosh, do you think that social roles are evolving? I do. I mean, we see, for example, um, more husbands taking on uh, caretaker roles in their marriages, whether it's becoming the full-time stay-at-home parent or adjusting their work schedule to be more flexible and to have more time and, and bandwidth to be a dad, which I think is great. You know, I think ultimately if you're going to be in a relationship where 
as the woman, you're bringing home the bigger paycheck and your job is very demanding as a result of that, that you need support. And who better to be that support for you than your partner? Now, that said, you know, I talk in the book about um, really evaluating the trade-offs when you're designating a stay-at-home parent, especially if it's going to be dad, because society... Um, you know, still, you know, there's a penalty for being out of the workforce, whether you're male or female, but particularly for men, because there just isn't that, um, I guess, expectation or that level of empathy that there is for women who are out of the workforce to be moms for a period of time, um, full time, as there is for dads. You know, um, years ago, I met a woman who um, was the sole breadwinner in the family, her her, actually, it was just a, a partner. She didn't, um, they weren't married, but he was the Mr. Mom. I mean, he took the kids to the soccer games. He did the food shopping. He did the cooking. And, right. And, and um, you know, what, what's interesting is, um, you know, we all say, you know, we all like to think we're so evolved. Like, oh, well, that's cool. But yet behind her back, everyone's talking about that weird, that weird yeah. setup, that strange, you know. And, <laughs> and, 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 and I, you know, I, and, and I'm, this was, she, I don't even live in the same state anymore. But, um, you know, when I sort of looked at her, I mean, she sort of, it's, it's not that she wasn't an attractive woman, but she had a lot of male, she seemed like she was sort of beaming with testosterone. <laughs> um, and, you know, I don't know, so maybe that was part of where some of that judgment was coming in. But, I mean, I do think regardless, um, I mean, she could just, you know, be everything feminine. And I still think that we are a society where we still look at that like, that's not normal. Right. 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 And, What's the I mean, definition I, it, of normal, right? Well, exactly. I mean, so, you know, I don't know. I just, it's, it's just well, something I that I just, you... as soon as I, you know, I realized I'd be interviewing you, I thought of this woman. I thought I remember. Mm-hmm. And I really thought back at that time. And we were sort of a group of women that hung out together. But there was all this, well, you know, you know, she's, she's taking care of everything. And, and, and she... So it was interesting. It was just interesting. I'll just leave it at that. It was just interesting dynamic, um, that financial dynamic. And it, it's it's interesting to see how a woman navigates that. I mean, does she actually, could she conceivably almost become the man? Um, hmm. Right? So I don't know. That was just something that. Well, I think what your anecdote really re- reflects is that there are a lot of moving parts to this to this movement being accepted and being embraced. So on the one hand, while you within your marriage with your partner have figured out kind of your yep. your yep. role, your new role, exactly. your new path, you're comfortable with your the fact that you make more as a woman and that he's comfortable with the fact that he's maybe a stay-at-home dad. There are all these external um, factors. There's judgment from external, you know, society. Even when they're not saying so. Right. So, you know, there's a whole chapter in my book about growing a thicker skin, mm. which, you know, I think it speaks to the judgment that you were talking about, the, the, the lack of acceptance that others may have um, looking in on your life and how to navigate that with, um, you know, with grace and with compassion at the end of the day. You know, I think That's this, right. is, again, right. this is new territory for everyone. Think about how hard it was perhaps for you to acclimate to this. Mm-hmm. You know, we should 
not expect that others will automatically accept this. We would hope that they would be respectful, but we, you know, humans are humans, and we, you know, everyone has a different definition of what quote-unquote normal should be, and they try to impose that on others, and I think that, you know, it's, it's, um, you want to concentrate on the positives of being the breadwinner. You want to always lead by example. And if you have people in your life who don't understand, just keep it really limited in terms of how you explain things to them or divulge in details with them. Like I have to say, you know, in, in my world, in my life as the breadwinner, my mother, for example, was somebody who cast a lot of judgment in the beginning of my relationship yeah. with my husband. You and so, what? Yeah. She <laughs> I hope you don't run into any struggles in life. <laughs> yeah. She was, right? you know, she was concerned that, you know, uh, that I would get stuck in a career that I didn't really want, making the money that was good, but ultimately feeling like I didn't have a choice to um, scale down or become a full-time mom if I wanted to. Like, I just didn't have options. Um, And so, you know, I I understand where she was coming from, but I think it got also to a point where, you know, as mothers and daughters can get, really contentious. And so my strategy was to just make sure that... Write a book. book, Here, Mom! But really to stand up for my relationship and to be and to lead by example and I wouldn't run to her if I was having a bad day because she would necessarily equate that to my financial circumstance as opposed to like just you know having another bad day for whatever reason and I didn't want to give her any fuel for her concerns that you know I wanted her to be able to see this as it was working and in a good light so that you know, and ultimately now she's seen it. You know, she re- she recognizes that this is a dynamic that perhaps it's not normal to her, but it's it's becoming more and more acceptable. And it's it's I'm happy and my husband's happy, and that's all that really matters. And you're having a baby, is that right? We are. We're I'm having a baby uh, June middle of June. He's due, so it's a uh, it's it's go time. It's go time. Okay, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to talk with Francesca. Uh, and I'm speaking with Barnoosh Tarabi. She is the breadwinner herself and author of the book, When She Makes More, Ten Rules for Breadwinning Women. Um, Barnoosh, uh, do you think that women are concerned that this will chase guys away? Um, you know, I'll tell you, uh, just full disclosure here, I used to have a dating service many moons ago, and I'll tell you what, when a high-powered woman walked through that door... I mean, and she could be just fantastic looking, great shape, the whole bit. But you know what would go right through my mind is, oh, she's going to be hard to match. (laughs) Because, uh, you know, I would have to find a guy who was at least her equal or better. And sometimes that was, it it was intimidating even for the men who were high powered. There was something threatening about that that woman. Now, that Mm -hmm. was back 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, but but nonetheless, I mean, you got to wonder if if um, that could be a concern. Well, we know it's a concern. I mean, men. We know we, you know there have been studies done that find that men are turned off and start to really question the the uh, the relationship when their female partner. Tend, becomes quote unquote more successful, and that success can actually be financial or other success. It could be that she, you know, uh, finished a marathon or got a promotion, or she, um, you know, went, lost a ton of weight and feels really good about herself. I think that. <clears throat> 
again, it's, it's a primal lower brain function. It's not your intelligent brain. Obviously, if you ask men, you know, they would say, it'd be, be great if my wife made more. It'd be great to date a woman who's successful. But I think that, you know, you have to remember that men want to be needed, right? They want to feel needed in a relationship. And if they're meeting someone who seems to have complete control and um, independence and doesn't need necessarily a guy to help her in any way, he will be disinterested. He won't be interested. You know, he's going to have, he wants to go to, he wants to be in a relationship where he's recognized as the quote unquote hero. And if you are presenting yourself as somebody who has it all figured out, um, that can be intimidating for sure. And I think that, you know, I, I consulted with a lot of relationship experts for this book on this particular topic. And I think that it's important for both men and women to keep an open mind in terms of who would be that quote-unquote equal that best suits their needs and personality. And to, for women to remember that when you're dating, you're not at a job interview, you're not running a political campaign, you're not, you know, you're in you're, you're hopefully starting a relationship, which takes a whole different set of, mm-hmm. you know, maneuvering and communicating and showing a different side of yourself, you know, as opposed to talking about your job constantly on the first date, you know, talk about other things that make you a dynamic, amazing person that the man would actually, you know, perhaps be interested in hearing about. The fact that you're, you know, what, if you, instead of talking about, like, the next promotion you're up for, Maybe talk about what you're passionate about, why you enjoy your career, but, you know, start to also talk about your other interests, um, your childhood, your goals, uh, where you like to, you know, spend your free time, because that's ultimately what, um, what is, he's going to fall in love with. You know, it's not going to be your paycheck. You know, it's interesting. I interviewed uh, Claire Shipman, who um, was one of the authors of The Confidence Code. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the book or not. Well, you know, so I'm listening to you and, you know, the woman who has it all together and whatever. But, you know, deep down inside, women still have those insecurities and they still, um, you know, I think to some degree want to be taken care of. So I don't think that we ever completely escape that even, you know, if we are the the main breadwinner. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I have to say. I'd love to hear your view on that. I think, um, you know, and when we say taken care of in 2014 as a, as a modern woman who is financially independent, it's okay to still throw that phrase around, but I think that the definition is changing and it's evolving. Absolutely. For me, I will be the first to say that I, I, I want my male partner to be able to take care of me, not in a financial sense, right. but in other ways. Absolutely. I mean, you here you're, you're having a child, and you, yeah. I'm sure you're wanting some support around that emotionally, and, and yeah, so absolutely. And so, yeah, it's sort of like, you know, men still want to be heroes, women still want to be taken care of, but what that entails is evolving and changing as um, we're sort of leveling the financial playing field. You know, women are making more, uh, finally, in their marriages, and so, you know, and at the end of the day, the, you, when you look back on your relationship and your life, you don't think, oh, boy, I wish I made more money. You think, boy, I wish I'd worked harder in my relationship perhaps to make it, you know, to, 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 to be more intimate with my partner. All these things that are less tangible than money but far more important in terms of, you know, creating happiness. Absolutely. So, 
um, partners, let's just get practical. I mean, the boat's lopsided. Has one ditched the old rules? <laughs> the woman's salary outpaces the husband's paycheck. I mean, knowledge is power. So what secrets mm-hmm. of success do you have for those working within the trenches of this landscape? Yeah, so a, a really important financial tip for everybody with any income, income disparity in your relationship, particularly if it's the female bringing home the bigger paycheck, I would say you want to attach everyone's money to significant meaning. So when she makes more, it's we find that she takes on a lot of the financial responsibilities, decision-making, and which is on the one hand a great thing, but you also have to wonder why she's doing that. And, and if you look closely, it's a lot of times because we think money equals power, and because we make more, we sort of have the veto to decide things, and we don't perhaps engage with our partner who's making less. And the person making less might feel intimidated to kind of introduce financial ideas or how to spend the money and things like that. So it's really important to sort of balance the financial power in the relationship when there's income disparity, and especially when she makes more because I think, again, remember, men want to feel like equal financial players, no matter how little or or less the income. So how you do that is you make sure that his income is attached to um, big savings goals or big spending goals. So while she might be affording a lot of the day-to-day stuff, he, his income that is smaller can go towards a longer savings plan or save or spending goal. For example, affording your next vacation, footing the <clears throat> the bill for your next car down payment, or funding the children's college uh, education fund, so that he can reflect on his financial contribution in a in a concrete way and say, you know, I, I afforded this and that's a, and it's a huge win for the family. Um, so that's one way to sort of, uh, m- sort of, uh, manipulate your finances to create more financial harmony in the relationship and that everyone feels a little more like equal players even with the disparity. You have such a healthy relationship, it sounds like. (laughs) Um, So um, how has your earnings affected the intimacy in your relationship? I mean, I I know that it sounds like you've you've been able to navigate it quite well, but has has there been any issues at all? Um, You know, I'm very fortunate that my partner, my husband, um, and this is something that I would advise to a lot of alpha women out there when they're looking for their, you know, their match. He does not... Necessarily, he does not associate his sense of self-worth, his ultimate self-worth, from his job, from his career. He likes his career. He enjoys working. He is driven in his career, but it's not where he sources most of his happiness or his sense of um, spirit. For me, I have to say, work is my life. You yeah, know, I mean, and even is... with the child on the way, mm-hmm. um, maybe this sounds crazy, but I do think that. For me, I will always feel more myself working than anything else. But, I mean, I think that is more, I mean, I think a a man's work so often does define him, don't you? Yes, it does. Or at least he thinks it should. He thinks it should. And I think that it takes a really kind of, um, a guy that's really in tune to, um, you know, himself and his instincts to say, you know what, there's more to life than just working. Mm -hmm. And for my husband, I know that he gets a huge sense of self-worth from his ability to be present as a husband and now soon a dad. And, I mean, you, you can just hear it in his voice, the way he talks about, you know, family versus work. It's completely, it's like a different um, level. And, and so that was a very lucky thing for me to find in a guy. And maybe, you know, I can't 
give myself a lot of credit because I think it just sort of happened. That's the and way he is, yeah. Gravitated Lucky towards you, that. Yeah. But I think for women to keep that in mind as they're consciously looking for a guy, you know, that if you are a woman who sources a lot of her self-worth from career, which a lot of women these days do, absolutely, you might want to find it best to find a male partner who, you know, is, you know, obviously accountable in his work and likes work, but maybe has other interests, you know, that he stems a lot of his mm-hmm. sense of self-worth from. Um, and so for us, like, it hasn't really, he doesn't have, although I will say, you know, he's a guy at the end of the day. And while we don't have huge fights over this or it hasn't caused a communication breakdown, um, <clears throat> we did have some moments in our financial planning where it's it felt like I was taking on a lot of the decision-making and we weren't communicating. And when I finally addressed it to him, he said to me, you know, honestly, I do feel a little uncomfortable suggesting spending ideas or how to how to move the money around because he had yet to really think of my money as our money. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really doing a good job of relaying that to him either. So we had to have a real discussion about it because even though I'm money is kind of what I do and I feel comfortable managing money, you know, I think when you're in a relationship, you don't want to take on all the accountability because if you make a mistake, (laughs) it's all your fault. And, and it's just money's such a big part of any relationship that you need to have. You want to have that dialogue. You want to have that connection. And we felt, I felt very much in a silo, you know, with, with finances and in our relationship in the beginning. And it was because of the disparity and it was because, you know, um, I assumed accountability without really for any good reason. And my husband, um, wasn't sort of stepping up to offer his mm-hmm. ideas because he, because of the income disparity, he felt a little less than in yeah, a way. I mean, he, sometimes he, women do that anyway. Sometimes women just you know, they, they're in charge of all the, the money, right. whether they make more or not. But just want to just, um, Farnoosh, uh, shift gears here a little bit, because as we're talking about this, and as I was looking through your, your book last night, I was thinking to myself, why is this all a woman's problem <laughs> to make the men feel better? <laughs> it almost seems like this is all about, um, you know, what what we can do to make them feel better. And um, it just kind of struck me, you know, and I mean, I know this is, it's just sort of like the Princeton mom, you know, <laughs> she certainly didn't help. The only smart thing she said was that we're a nation that marries for love. But <laughs> um, so I just I'm kind of curious about can you share your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think that it it can seem certainly that that the message here is that it's all women's responsibility. And I will say it's certainly not, but I will say that women are the ones who are coming to me with the questions. And as women, um, you know, we're the, we're the gender, I think, and I will, I'll go out on a limb here and say that we're better at communicating sometimes. Well, so we're, I think more, that's true. <laughs> we're more in touch with our emotions. And, you know, I think that that said, though, this is not a book that's strictly for women. And it's not to say that, you know, you need to just do all the heavy lifting in your relationship. This is a book that, um, first, I want to empower women with the with the advice and with the insider knowledge that I've gained over the last two years researching this book, to then help them bring that into their relationships and, you know, 
engage him as well. Um, you know, men have read the book and have been very, very, um, you know, they've, it's opened their minds as well. And if I had it my way, I would have subtitled the book 10 Rules for Breadwinning Women and the Men Who Love Them. Oh, good one, good one. Arnush, we, we, are, um, we have so much to talk, more to talk about. Um, we have, do have to take a, a quick break, So, um, but when we come back, I'd like to talk about those 10 rules. So let's, okay, sure. Okay, so just hang tight. Monday, Monday. 605-1720. Again, that's 1-800-605. Are you considering a career change? Have you ever considered real estate sales? With a little help from ABC Real Estate Training Institute, in a matter of a few weeks, you could be on your way to an exciting career in real estate sales. You decide how long it takes to get going. ABC Real Estate Training Institute has been teaching real estate and home inspection continuing education in Massachusetts and New Hampshire for over 15 years. Now that's credibility. Visit their website at abcrealestatetraining.com today or call 1-800-556-4455. And don't forget to ask about their boot camp class specials. Visit abcrealestatetraining.com now and don't waste another minute. You'll be glad you did. Need to refresh and renew after a long winter? Your home may need that too. Shed the cabin fever feeling your home has and bring that spring feel in. Professional interior designer Sue Rilovic of the Tristan Design Group will bring her 30 years of experience, expertise, and advice to your home. Call to schedule an affordable in-home consultation now, address your concerns, or let Sue's ideas flow and see where it can take your home. 603-285-3924. 603-285-3924. The Tristan Design Group. Your home of the future. Hi, I'm Donna McGovern, and I'm a real estate agent working in the Remax on the River office in the beautiful coastal town of Newburyport. I enjoy working with clients on the North Shore and in the Merrimack Valley areas. One of my specialties is I have an eco broker certification, meaning I have a deep interest in protecting our environment and in energy efficiencies and cost saving ideas. Buying and selling a home, I know, is an investment of which one must take seriously, but I also think it's important to have fun along the way. I've found that the most successful transactions have been based on mutual trust and respect between all involved parties. I hope you take the time to give me a call so we can set up an appointment to meet and I can provide some information on how to have a positive and successful home buying and home selling experience. The number to reach me is 978-992-4535. That's 978-992-4535. If I were your real estate agent, you'd be home now. Inconsistent academic skills. He was very disorganized. He suffered from anxiety. He had very low frustration tolerance, OCD types of behaviors. It's very hard to hear that your, your child has something not right with them and to not know what you can do. At Brain Balance, we tackle your child's learning, behavioral, or developmental challenge head-on by addressing the root cause, not just the symptoms. We integrate cognitive, sensory motor, and nutritional training into a customized drug-free program that provides lasting results. He's very proud now when he accomplishes things, and I feel like there's a sense of hope. He used to say, there's something wrong with my head, and now he just... His head works. (laughs) Find out how Brain Balance can help your child reach their full potential. Brain Balance Achievement Centers, where every kid connects with success. Are you looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? 
then you'll want to dine at Terramia's. This North End Italian restaurant provides a simply divine culinary experience and, as quoted in Zagat's Restaurant Guide, pastas without compare. And it's reasonably priced. This North End gem will keep you coming back. Terramia is simply the best Italian restaurant in all of Boston. Call 617-523-3112, 617-523-3112, or terramiarestaurante.com. The new Cobblestone Cafe on Hanover Street in Boston brings casual, on-the-go American fare to the North End, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Open daily at 7 a.m., Cobblestone Cafe offers burgers, barbecue, salads, fries, milkshakes, seafood, and the very popular Snickerdoodle iced coffee. Delivery and catering are also available. Cobblestone Cafe, 227 Hanover Street in Boston. For more information, call 857-263-8057 or visit them online at cobblestonecafene.com. Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno. Ranked number nine of the top ten Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617-723. 6733 or visit us at anticofornoboston.com Hey, this is James Woods and you are listening to Talk with Francesca every Saturday morning right here on 1510 Yahoo Sports Radio Boston. Can buy me love, love, can buy me love. All right, we're back and you're listening to Talk with Francesca and I'm speaking with Farnoosh Tarabi who is the author of When She Makes More. Thanks for being with us here today. Of course. Thank you for having me. All right. So I, let's let's jump right in here. What do you mean when you say find your favorite position? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a little sexual, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a whole uh, rule regarding money in in the book. You know how to navigate your finances based on strengths and weaknesses, and what you ultimately gravitate towards best in the relationship. That you know what we find is that when she makes more. Um, she feels sort of as um, like like she has to take on the financial responsibility. Is that because she brings home the bigger paycheck that she holds the power? And I think that's um, well, money does represent power. It just, can, just but so not, many. I mean, not necessarily to everybody, but I mean, I think that's a big part of. I mean, there's a whole you know psychology behind yeah, certainly right. But this is where we get ourselves in trouble in relationships. Certainly money means power in a business environment. You know, it closes the deal, but it shouldn't be what determines who's right and who's wrong in your relationship because that's just going to be disastrous. I mean, um, talk about, you know, unfairness there. I mean, because just because you make a bigger paycheck, what's the big deal? I mean, it doesn't mean that you're smarter or have a better career or have a better mind. It's just, you know, if you can think of money more as a means to an end um, in your relationship, you're going to be much better off. And I think this is one of the things that really does hold us back. We have these really, really antiquated ideas of what it means to be in a relationship and what money means in the relationship. So this rule about finding your favorite position is about rewriting kind of your expectations of what money should, what the role of money in your relationship, but also how you're going to go about making those decisions. And uh, there's all sorts of strategies depending on, you know, your emotional capacity as well as your, you know, the reality of your finances. 
So let's talk about some of these rules. I don't know if we can get through all 10 of them, but, but I'd like to kind of go over some of them and give our, our um, listening audience sort of some practical information. Yeah, sure. Which one would you like to start with? Uh, let's, well, let's see. The first one, I think, was Face the Facts. Right? I don't have the book right in front of me, but I think that was the first. Right. Okay. So it starts with Face the Facts, which we sort of yep, covered in the about, first yep, yep. half hour, just facing the reality. I think a yep. lot of people are in denial about the reality that ensues when you have a female breadwinner in a relationship. The divorce is higher. The infidelity risk is higher. She can be more. She can feel burnt out. He can feel uh, emasculated. It's not to say that this is going to happen in every relationship, but it's happening enough. It happens we, more, though, does it not? I mean, it happens it? more than you think, and yeah. I think that. Um, people are in denial about it, and, and I think, you know, it's not politically correct to say that you feel emasculated, or it's not politically correct to say that as a woman who makes more, I don't want to be in this role. It's not for me. It, you can feel like you're um, you're not being, you know, this ultra-modern person, but you have to acknowledge these emotions in order for there to be reconciliation in the, in the relationship. And so that's the first the first uh, rule. Next, it's, you know, rewrite the fairy tale. Oh, Cinderella, is, it's time yeah. to go home now. <laughs> you know, we grew up with very, very yeah. traditional expectations of what it means to be in a relationship as a man, as a woman. And this chapter is really not only um, advice for married couples, but also for single women out there who are looking for their quote-unquote equal and how maybe they should expand their horizons a little bit, especially given the facts that, you know, as a young single woman in this country, if you're living in a major metropolitan area, chances are you're out earning your male counterpart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that women have their, their work cut out for them. Uh, you know, you <laughs> well, say, I was going to say, you say that women should buy themselves a wife. What do you mean yeah. by that? So when she makes more, unfortunately, she does more housework. That is a fact. Now, why would um, she do more housework if she just because she's making more? Is that what you mean? Well, there no. no researchers no. believe that when she makes more and she's in a relationship where she senses that her income uh, might pose as a threat to the relationship, she wants to overcompensate for that in traditional ways. Mm. So while her, her bringing home a bigger paycheck is very untraditional, she wants to overcompensate by being very traditional when it comes to domesticity. Um, and it's very, very psychological and it's irrational. You oh know, my you, gosh, this poor woman's going to just kill herself, herself, right? She'll be, she might be breaking the glass ceiling, but she, she's getting seriously cut on the way. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, Stressing well, between work and, and home life accumulating. I mean, right, right. right? So, and women don't compar- I don't think women compartmentalize the way men do. No, they don't. That's that's for sure. I mean, when men, when men go to work, it's work, and when they come home, you know, it's either continue to work or just home. I think that it's harder for women to create that divide and that can sometimes work against us in the workplace because remember even though she's making more than her husband she might not be making as much as her male counterpart at work with the same title same rule uh you know job description and so how does she protect her income that is so important to her family and be uh, you know available for promotion and all that other stuff and not have her home life necessarily um brand her in a in a negative way at work and you know what i hear from a lot of breadwinning moms is that they're um, resentful of their male coworkers, not only because they might be making more, but when they go home, these male co- coworkers, they aren't necessarily 
at the forefront of all these other roles that women are expected to fulfill and that, frankly, they want to fulfill, you know, bath time, making dinner, um, you know, all these other uh, energy and time-consuming activities that where the male counterpart from work can go home and maybe continue to work, she can't necessarily. So there's a lot uh, to consider and to reconcile with as the female breadwinner when it comes to career and how to manage that along with your home life responsibilities. But they're all, these guys are all worth it, right? So you say hack the hypotheticals. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. So that's another rule that addresses sort of the unforeseen financial complexities that might come up, but are, um, that a lot of times trip us up. You know, for example, she's making more, but his mother gets ill and doesn't have health insurance and they need to protect her. And so you only have so much money. How do you do it? Um, how do you make decisions sort of together to support family members? How do you make decisions together to, um, you know, deal with all sorts of unexpected financial circumstances. He might have alimony that he's paying to a uh, you know previous fam, you know a ma- wife, and maybe he's not working. So does she pay for it? Maybe he has debt. Does she pay for it? Um, do, do they get a prenup? Do they get a postnup? So all these sort of uh, hypothetical financial realities that a lot of couples, particularly when she makes more, face. Uh, and how to do it, you know, in an equitable and, and emotionally uh, acceptable way. Just um, when you mentioned prenup or postnup, it just my sort of back goes up and I say, hmm, that's almost like I, my own personal feeling, um, you know, is like, oh, so when we get divorced, it almost, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know, maybe that's a dated way of thinking. But um, I'd love to hear your view on that. You know, you got to take the emotion out of it. It's a contract. And marriage, while we all expect and hope that it will last forever, the reality is is that, you know, we can't predict the future. And if you're someone who's coming into a relationship with assets that you want to protect, and very importantly, you live in a state where you don't agree with their de facto divorce laws, it's smart to get a, a prenup, or in some cases a postnup, if you, if you didn't get one before you got married. And over the last five years, divorce attorneys have seen a substantial increase in these types of contracts. And as more women are the breadwinners in their relationships, you know, they uh, are asking for them more and more. Um, well, it's very easy to say I do, but it's not so easy to say I don't. Right. And you will wish at that point right. that maybe you had some things written in stone so that you wouldn't be bickering and fighting all this, you know, and going to court because you basically laid out what your wishes are. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where now as more women are making more, too, they are paying alimony to their husbands. Oh, and there's nothing, divorce attorneys tell me, there's no one angrier in the courtroom than a woman who has to pay her husband alimony. Now, why do you think that? Let, let's talk about that just a little bit. What do you think of that? Why would that be? I mean, I have my own thoughts on it, but well, I'd, I'd like, mean, to, I'd like to hear it. yours. I mean, <laughs> yeah, think about it. That's right. When you, so, you know, we have this mindset that the men... If he's not working in the marriage, but he is supporting the family, if he quit his job or quit his goals so that he could be the stay-at-home dad, just mm-hmm. as if she had done that to be the stay-at-home mom, mm-hmm. he's going to feel entitled to compensation when there's a divorce. And so in in this 
so what we're seeing is more and more men are asking for alimony and they're getting it because a judge is looking at the rationale. He's thinking, okay, well, if it were her, we would have to grant her money. And so we're not going to discriminate just based on gender here. We're going to just base this on the decisions that were made in the marriage. Um, I don't know if I should laugh or cry. (laughs) (laughs) It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. So that's amazing. Okay. Anyway, um, would you say cater to the male brain? What do you mean? I'm sorry. Would you say cater to the male brain? Right. What do you mean? Uh, What I mean there is you want to first just recognize that as men and women, we have um, different needs sometimes, and we have different ways of wanting to be communicated to. um, And it would behoove women, as it would men in a relationship, to understand these gender differences when it comes to how we process things. And this chapter is really meant to help women to um, communicate better with their with their male partners, to express things in a way, and how to position the conversation so that he gets it, so that he can help you in a really big way. Uh, I hear too often from breadwinning women that they feel helpless, that their men don't understand what they need. And the wrong way to go about it is to think that he's just going to anticipate you and know exactly what you need. But you have to articulate that to him. This is something that, yes, This is your responsibility as a woman to articulate to your guy what you need. And it's not enough to just say, hey, can you help me at the last minute because you forgot to do something. Better to say and to decide together as a couple, you know, what are the areas of your life together that he can be completely accountable for and take over? Because remember, that solves two things. That makes him feel like the ultimate provider, which is what he as a man wants to be. Mm-hmm. And for you as a woman, that really takes a load off of your plate. Um, you know, and I see this play out in relationships beautifully where she, as the female breadwinner, she can't do everything, obviously, when she comes home. And so um, rather than asking him to help her out here and there, it's like, honey, you're going to be the one who, let's say, takes over the domain of food. So that includes the planning, the grocery shopping, the cooking. Or he decides to take an, uh, try to get more flexible hours at work so that he can be home and release the sitter to save the family money and also to be more of a dominant caretaker in the family, to be able to be home when she can't perhaps have to run home to, you know, make dinner or whatever or be with the kids. Um, he perhaps might take over all the financial management. Of course, she'll still be involved, but, you know, that might become his domain. Mm-hmm. So catering to the male brain, knowing what their trigger words are that they like to hear, um, how to position asking for assistance from your partner. And um, ultimately, this is a chapter that when you can do these things, and he, you know, he reciprocates, it helps her, makes her life easier. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Talk with Francesca, and I'm speaking with Barnoosh Tarabi. She's the author of When She Makes More. Uh, you're having a baby. Let's talk about that. Like, how do you anticipate that that will change, or, or do you anticipate any kind of change in, in your dynamic? Well, I mean, it can't help, but, right? <laughs> it's going to make our lives completely different. It is. And I mean, and then way. you've got to, you know, is there that pressure of, you know, getting up in the morning and getting off to work because you're the, the main breadwinner, yeah. but at the same time, um, you're, you know, having to get up in the middle of the night and possibly breastfeed, um, you know, the, the baby that's not sleeping. I mean, that's really 
it's a lot. And I, I, you know, I just, I can't help but think that in some ways, and I'm not saying you personally, but that that isn't going to fire, wouldn't fire some women up. Well, you know, I realize that I, I, you know, I, I follow the rules in my book. You know, you want to plan parenthood as best you can. And we've known that we're going to become parents for at least nine months now. And <laughs> wait so a minute, what do you mean able... for at least? Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, I'm in my, yeah. I'm in my third trimester, and so we have put some steps into place, some plans into place. Of course, there's only so much you can anticipate. But can I you share what... some of that with us? Oh sure. So. Um, Rather than have my husband become a stay-at-home parent, we're going to have him continue work. We've got hired help. Um, I freelance. I don't have maternity leave, but I have decided that I'm going to sort of mandate my own maternity leave. So I'm going to take off the months of July and parts of August. But, you know, I plan to be – I've already scheduled work events in late August, September. How will I feel emotionally about that? Who knows? You know, I think I'm going to be very torn, as all mothers are when they have to go back to work. But, you know, that's my reality. And this, these are the choices that I have made and that I'm going to have to be okay with, and I am. You know, I think that – for me, happiness is not necessarily not working ever again. It's working um, because, as I said earlier, that's where I get a lot of my sense of self-worth. Right, I, and you could be one of those women that, you know, that end up, they stay home, but then they're miserable that they are staying. Right. Their life has changed so drastically. You know, like a 30-something woman, now she suddenly has, you know, twins, and she's home, and, and um, you know, I mean, as much as she, she loves her, her children, you know, there's... It gets tiring, goo goo gaga all day and, and not having intellectual conversation. Yes, and I think, you know, every person is different. And um, for us, it's we don't want to be a single-income ha- family ever. You know, we want to always be both bringing it home some kind of income, not only because, um, you know, that will help us with our finances, but I think it's important for each of us to be out there doing something that's, you know, that we feel fulfills a different part of ourselves, you know, in addition to being parents. more holistic. And it's, and and don't you think that, you know, I shouldn't say don't you think, because I don't know what you think, but um, I personally think that it's not so bad for a kid to have parents working, you know, and to to have some different people in their their lives. I I don't think it's such, such a terrible thing. I mean, we can, I think there's, there's two sides to this debate, but I think what is true is that whatever parents decide to do, how they want to design their life with children, the most important thing is that you commit to it, that you're happy about it, and that you show that to your children, that if you have chosen to not work, that you don't portray your life as sort of this, like, big compromise to your kids, and that you really... Um, your kids look at you and the life that you chose and see that you're happy. And likewise, if you're a mom or a dad who's working, that you explain to your kid why you do it, what's the value in mom working, why does it make mom happy, because when they grow up, that's what's really going to, um, I think, impress their idea of, you know, whether it's better to have a stay-at-home parent or a a working parent. You know, if they can look back on mom and dad's chosen life and say, you know, my mom was really happy working, Mm -hmm. that's 
that's what's going to stick with them. And so... And knowing they're loved, too. I mean, that's, you know... Yeah. When I, I think we give ourselves not enough credit. We have to give kids more credit. They're they're very... Res- resilient. They're resilient, yes. And, and, of course, maybe when they're six and you can't make a, a recital, they're going to be, you know, heartbroken. But then you make the next event and you make it up to them. I know. And, but guess what? Kids, you know something? They can't always have every everything. No. You know, it's not necessarily such a good thing either when kids are given... Everything, of course, that's another in- entirely other <laughs> topic, yeah. which we don't have time for. But um, and we do have to wrap things up. As usual, the time went way too fast. But um, so how can um, our listeners find you? Well, you can find more about the book at when she makes more dot com. When she makes more dot com. OK. Uh, the book is widely available on Amazon, your local bookstore. And I love the cover, a picture of a, a woman in a dress made out of money. I love that. A hundred dollar bill. <laughs> very, yeah, very, organized. very uh, creative. Love that. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So it's been a wonderful experience sharing this book with everybody, hearing everyone's feedback. And really the goal with this book is to start a very needed conversation around what it means to be the female breadwinner, how that impacts your relationship, to get us to be more honest with with our emotions, and ultimately save these relationships. Because you want to, like, be able to look back on this amazing transition, economic transition in our history for women and for couples and say it worked on in a variety of ways. You well, know? it's working for Jay-Z and Beyonce, right? She's making more money than him. Of course, at that level, that's a whole other story, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other... <laughs> I mean, um, you know, and I talked about this on Huffington Post Live the other day. I think that when you're both mega, mega stars, yeah. it's not just about the money. It's about the attention. It's about the ego. And if those have to be fulfilled as much as, you know, it's not about the bottom line sometimes. It's about how you're you know, how you feel, uh, how successful you feel all, all and around. What, and, and what exactly does, how does success uh, present itself to you? Right. And, but I will say I've interviewed Nick Cannon, for example, who's married to Mariah, who makes less. And he says that the fact that he's married to a breadwinning woman, although he makes, he does very fine for himself, but he does feel an, um, a, an urgency to kind of step up and do more and make more so that he can, as he says, make some of that Mariah money. (laughs) Mariah money. Arnush Tarabi, thanks so much for being on Talk with Francesca today. So much great information. Really do appreciate it. My pleasure. Good luck with uh, everything. Okay. All right. We've got to wrap things up. Thanks for listening. Keep your questions coming. Write to me and let me know what's on your mind. Got to go. We'll do the same thing next week. Same time, same place. Make it a fantastic week. If you want to refuel, recharge, and re-energize your organization or engage, empower, and enrich your employees, these are the fundamentals that Loyalty Factor focuses on. We build employee loyalty, customer loyalty, and brand loyalty. My name is Diane Durkin. Give me a call, 603-334-3401, or visit www.loyaltyfactor.com. If you're anything like me, your dog is no different than your child. That's why when I need to be somewhere that I can't take my little guy, I bring him to the Playful Pack in Ipswich. There isn't a thing that the Playful Pack doesn't provide to give your furry friend a great day of socializing. They even separate the small dogs from the big. What a relief that was for me. My little guy has a big personality, but he is still only 20 pounds, so I feel so much more comfortable with him playing with kids his own size. And at any time, I can open up the Playful Pack's webcam and see exactly what he's doing. Now, 
that's maintaining control. Your pet will exercise, play, and rest in a safe, clean, and comfortable environment. So it's kind of a no-brainer whether you want to take your dog when you're not around. Visit theplayfulpack.com or call 978-356-3698 today. You'll be glad you did. If you are looking for a transformation fitness center that's based on results with a motivating and energizing exercise environment, then the Boston North Fitness Center is the place for you. Located at 30 Prince Street in Danvers, Boston North Fitness Center is family-owned with a fully dedicated staff who themselves have lost over 250 pounds combined. With over 4,000 members, the experienced staff not only does their job, but cares about doing their jobs. For more information, call 978 or log on to bostonnorthfitness.com. Are you considering a career change? Have you ever considered real estate sales? With a little help from ABC Real Estate Training Institute, in a matter of a few weeks, you could be on your way to an exciting career in real estate sales. You decide how long it takes to get going. ABC Real Estate Training Institute has been teaching real estate and home inspection continuing education in Massachusetts and New Hampshire for over 15 years. Now that's credibility. Visit their website at ABC Real Estate Training training.com today or call 1-800-556-4455 and don't forget to ask about their boot camp class specials visit abcrealestatetraining.com now and don't waste another minute you'll be glad you did